0: the five areas that i think a lot of entrepreneurs should be looking at is prospecting sales onboarding hr um basically onboarding employees and uh da- and data uh, manipulation with each one of these there's going to be a similar sort of call it a dow of what you're going to be looking for which is you want to be looking for systems or processes that have clear inputs and clear outputs and often that's, that's harder than it sounds. Take for, for example, if you're a professional accountant, maybe your input is looking at the P and L statement, but you have a lot of fuzzier er, inputs than just a P and L statement. You've also been talking with your client. You've been understanding their goals, their fears, you know, their, their age demographics. You, you have a lot more inputs than just the, the P and L statement in front of you. And that's the same way with a lot of uh, processes that we would want to be automating. The reality is that. We don't know what inputs allow this human to do the job.
1: Welcome to episode 161. My guest is Garrick Tate, co founder and CEO of Valhalla.Team, an IT consulting company that exists to amplify the impact of innovators who are building products with purpose. Garrick is an AI strategy consultant whose philosophy is that AI can solve a lot of constraints that automation cannot. So I couldn't miss the opportunity to discuss AI and how entrepreneurs can harness its potential for growth, efficiency, and overcoming bottlenecks. Join us in this conversation as Garrick details the five key business areas where entrepreneurs can apply AI. Prospecting, sales, onboarding, HR, and data manipulation. Let's tune in. Hi, Garyx. Thank you very much for joining me today. Glad to be here. So you're an AI guy and an entrepreneur, of course. <laughs> so you are an, an, an entrepreneur evolving in the AI industry. So let's go into the subject. How can entrepreneurs harness the true essence of AI? So the... That-
0: coolest thing about being an entrepreneur in the 21st century at least from from where I'm standing is that we're we're in an age of I like to think of it as the new the new horsepower so before you know when humans were doing tasks I and mean, our bodies you know could move and, and we could really do any one a number of things but as we got animals and then to this industrial revolution machines be doing physical tasks we didn't have to ourselves do do the work anymore with AI there's a similar point where we now have a electronic workhorse and it still needs to be designed out. It still needs to be thought through with that entrepreneurial mindset. Very, very much. So Um, just like before you couldn't just pull, put out the oxen and then they would till your field for you, you'd have to, you know, strap them up and, and, and do the work, you know, engineering everything and putting things together. But, uh, in the modern age, with a little bit of creative imagination and some abstract thinking, we can automate just about anything inside of our business that has clear inputs and outputs, and that has multiple multiple instances that's repetitive, and that that massively changes the game in a way that I think we're just just realizing. We're still at the very beginning.
1: So, is that the uh, is that the objective of AI to help you automate? Is it I think that. that
0: I think it's bigger than that on, on the, on the high level. Uh, primarily when I'm talking to entrepreneurs and people that are, you know, building businesses, wanting to add value to society, you know, we, we take a look at it from that more engineering point of view of like how, mm. what's the inputs and outputs? How can this add more value to you, to your business and your customers? But if we really take a zoom out approach, it's, it's really the creation of well, exactly what, what it sounds like artificial intelligence, creating intelligence beyond just our own
1: brain power yeah so there's there's been a lot of discussions about ai but ai is not sure it's been there it's been there for i think uh 20 years at least if i if i remember well now it's hard it's
0: been it's but, been around uh yeah for like about 50 50 plus uh right day. but back then it was it was all theoretical because we didn't have any of the hardware to actually do it but it's it's crazy to think some of the early scientists were just thinking through the implications of it without any practicing any prototyping
1: right and so it came out like it, it came like as a hot topic uh, because of uh, oh, thanks to chat and open open ai going going public and so it's been really hard and there's a lot of negative and positive and positive about it what, what is your stake on ai nice
0: my, my stake is that it's an it's another step in the the industrial revolution that mm. it's uh it is um fundamentally a a big step but ultimately we've we've been here before now it seems like changes are happening faster and faster but i'm not really a big fan of the perspective that uh you know we're in a totally new place so we've never been here before i'm a big fan of ray actually, ray Dalio's book principles behind me i, I love the um yep. I think it's valuable and i love the concept that we've been here before just maybe not in our lifetime and mm-hmm. so um i see ai as being on the trajectory of where we've already been going to, which is ultimately I'm, you know, in some ways dystopic and sometimes utopic, probably going right down the middle, but, uh, ultimately freeing up, uh, humans to be more productive and, and, uh, be building
1: more and cooler things. Yeah. I absolutely recommend Red book, Principles. It's a great, great book. Very heavy. <laughs> it's a <Yeah>. great book. <laughs> so uh, let's talk, uh, you know, about entrepreneurs. What are the best applications entrepreneurs can use AI for?
0: So the the five areas that I think a lot of entrepreneurs should be looking at is uh, prospecting, sales, onboarding, HR, um, basically onboarding employees, and uh, data, and data uh, manipulation. Okay. So we can we can take those one at a time. I would yep. say that with with each one of these, there's going to be a similar sort of call it a DAO of what you're going to be looking for, which is you want to be looking for systems or processes that have clear inputs and clear outputs. And often that's, that's harder than it sounds. Take for, for example, if you're a, uh, a professional accountant, maybe your input is looking at the P and L statement, but you have a lot fuzzier inputs than just a P and L statement. You've also been talking with your client. You've been understanding their goals, their fears, you know, their, their age demographics. You, you have a lot more inputs than just the, the P and L statement in, in front of you. And, and that's the same way with a lot of, uh, processes that we would want to be automating. The reality is that we don't know what inputs allow this human to do the job. But mm. if, if you can extract out those, those inputs then and, and create clear outputs, then that is a step of your business's process that can be automated. And the, you know, chat to you know, gunshot moment was, was doing this with text, but there's also text images. We're trying to do it with, with video audio is much further ahead than most people realize. So there's the capabilities of AI is just increasing more and more and more. But the, the thesis statement you'd be thinking about is where is a bottleneck in my business? Hey, um, that, <laughs> hey, uh, where's a bottleneck in the business that has clear inputs and outputs that is um, repetitive and then whatever is the nature of it, text, video, audio, complex, you know, multi step, single step, it doesn't matter. AI is advancing to the point where you can engineer, um, the protocol of how AI is going to approach it. Maybe it's not a single prompt. Maybe it's multiple prompts. Maybe it's multiple moving pieces coming together, but, um, you can build that without a developer. I mean, I love working with developers. I with developers for, um, six plus years at this point, but, you can build this with no code tools just um with some entrepreneurial um grit.
1: Right. So can you give us like a practical example for each of the five areas you identified? Perfect. Yeah.
0: So so let's let's um go with uh with sales. So in inside of, of sales, uh there are parts of your sales process from you know one example that we did with our with one of our sister companies was uh, on the website we put um a chat bot that takes in customer customer information and then schedules schedules calls um the entire business model is based around a key person of influence sort of a a branding model so the the founder of that that company has a lot of content on their youtube channel and social media and it's all about how to get a personal assistant how to um, uh, get someone to double your time and ultimately hopefully start you on the journey of removing yourself as a bottleneck, actually. And people go on the website wanting to know information about how to hire a personal assistant, how to train them properly, how to, how to handle, um, um, issues that arise, how, to, you know, how, how to proceed with that. And so we put all that information into that chat bot on the website so they could ask questions as if they were getting coached by the founder in that moment. And if they are, um, you know, liking the, the coaching, then of course they can enter in their, uh, email and schedule a call to, uh, potentially proceed. So that's an example of, of a sales, uh, a process that we added AI in.
1: Okay. So what about, what about onboarding
0: then? Onboarding is, is a, a similar thing. There's a company right now that, uh, I'm, um, uh, in talks with about, uh, doing exit planning. They have a platform for, for exit planning. And, uh, that's a really scary thing that a lot of businesses go through, but, if they have a coach or somebody kind of walking through and break that down to a step-by-step process, um, you know, it becomes a lot more achievable, let's say, mm. uh, absolutely. And so, but their platform is quite complex. There's a lot of moving pieces. And so right now we talked with them about adding in, um, AI to guide that onboarding process based on wherever they're at. So the, the inputs is that, you know, the user enters in like the reports or financial information, but if they're confused at any steps, there's any point where they don't know. Then the AI can be there to be helping them walk through. This is more, once again, another chatbot example. I think a lot of good examples don't, don't need chatbots, but this is another example of using a chatbot to help the onboarding process. Um, in in that particular business that has a very long onboarding process.
1: Right. So in both examples you give, I think, I think what AI is used for is for, it's to, to improve efficiency. Right. And therefore yeah. save costs.
0: And, and they are really about, um, making intelligence accessible through, through a, a chat interface as opposed to automating steps. Mm. Um, so I can give an example of, of automating steps. Uh, we, we have another company that, um, actually the, the same, the same outsourcing company. The bottleneck there was not in getting clients. It was in getting the, the right premium personal assistance. Um, mm. it's, a, it's definitely a, a more premium side of the market. So we have to make sure we get only, only the best, the best people. And, uh, we were getting plenty of applicants, but we weren't able to process them fast enough. And sometimes it was up to two, three months before we were able to find the right candidate for a role. We were able to reduce that down to about just one third because the recruitment process had a series of steps and you know, go through this interview, then, you know, then, you know, take this test and do the next interview and. Because that was broken down, we found that all the parts that, uh, people were slipping through the cracks was in the beginning had very clear inputs, very clear outputs. We shopped around for the right open source AI tools out there. And I would encourage everyone to be thinking about this. Like whatever you're looking for, there's probably an open source tool out there that you can just plug into their API without knowing how to code. Um, Mm -hmm. then can, or, or by teaching yourself very, very little, um, abstract logic. Uh, so I would call it low code in, in, in that case. Uh, we found some, some, um, open source tools out there on the market in order to read resumes, in order to um, uh, create some of the responses to the common questions and plug that in the beginning of our funnel. And we were able to triple the number of uh, people that we were able to process because not only did it make the beginning of the funnel very easy, most importantly, mm-hmm. it made up all the recruiters so they could really service people throughout the entire funnel, and all their time to be spent personalizing the experience for the applicants. We um, right. had
1: a dramatic impact on, on, on right. and then the thing is that you can also train the ai so that it 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 it's more personalized to your needs also as as a business am i correct and then the yeah. then that the ai can also learn from itself right it, so that i want to I be careful with the the point of it learning from itself that that right. definitely
0: um can happen but there's a couple ways you let's call it personalize uh, an ai and this is really mm-hmm. important i think for uh Business owners that especially want to build products for the AI. Uh, do you think that will be worth going down a rabbit hole of that? Yeah, go, go ahead.
1: Just don't be too right. technical.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. No, no worries. No worries. The old way of training your AI was through, uh, let's call it fine tuning. This was where you, you would basically just train it of what a good response and a bad response was. And then every time we would learn from those mistakes and then proceed. And you can maybe automate that through adversarial networks where and yeah, one AI labeling another AI trying like um butt heads with it. So there was ways to automate that. But that was essentially fine tuning. And at this point, in the age of large language models and some of these larger models, they're so massive that we're not really fine tuning them anymore. As in if you're consuming, right. if you're going off the open AI API or Anthropics Claude or 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 um these other tools, you're probably not fine tuning them. Now you can take an open source tinier model and fine tune that still, and in fact, even OpenAI, you can pay like extra tens of thousands of dollars to fine tune a model uh, that's specific just to you. So like, it's not that that's not an, a move on the chessboard, but it's not the most common anymore. Now the two most common moves when people are talking about training in AI or or, or specializing in AI is through either prompt engineering, and that is really still a human essentially seeing what's working, what's not working, tweaking the AI, and then it, and then it works better. But it's, that's not it learning itself. That's just you know, adjusting the prompts, or it learning from the context of the conversation. You know, you say, "Give me A," it gives you B. You say, "No, no, I said A," and then like, "Oh yeah, now in the future I'll do A." Mm-hmm. Um But the the third, which I think is in a happy middle ground where it's it can add tremendous value, but it's not too hard, is creating what's called a knowledge base. Mm. And and what a knowledge base is for for the listeners who haven't heard of this, and this is something that you can do on um like any any build your own chatbot tool like uh, Botpress. I think Voiceflow um, is another application if you want to build your own version of this. It's basically just chat. It's basically just ChatGPT plus build your own knowledge base. Or anyone can can do this themselves. Uh, you can imagine a knowledge base as just a a database that you can store any information in. And that information will be easily accessible by the AI. Yeah. So what ha- ends up happening is you prompt the chat bot or the, the large language model exactly as you already would. You, you do the exact same set of questions. This is what we did for our sister company where we built the sales chat bot I was talking about where people would ask coaching. You, you, you prompt it. How do I, you know, find a great virtual assistant? How do I train my virtual assistant? How do I onboard? How do I remove myself as a bottleneck? What have you? And then. The, the AI knows before it answers your question, it first checks the database to see if there's any information that is close to that. Then it takes that context from the knowledge base, and it takes the context from the user's prompt, and it combines them together in its answer. And that is remarkably easy to build, but can add tremendous value. And that really is personalizing a chatbot just for you, because it's always looking at um, a particular knowledge base it's going to kind of give a consistently different answer based on the same set of questions.
1: That's interesting. Sounds like I should do that for my for my uh, coaching business. Hmm. <laughs> but I want to I want to reflect on my experience. Move yourself on the bottleneck. You know you know what yeah. You know. <laughs> hey, I'm a business of one, so it's easy to become the bottleneck. Uh, but I want to reflect on my on my experience using AI, and I, because I want to I want to uh, have your opinion. You. So I, I'm a big user of Chat GPT. right? I I really enjoy it, and now I I I I, I got better at giving it prompt so the results that i get are better but i was making i was thinking last time that because I, i use it mostly for writing you know social media posts or for uh helping me like um asking myself some questions and getting some answers in my coaching approach or stuff stuff like that and but i was thinking last time that it was making me a bit lazy because i was rely, you know relying on it too much and and therefore i was not doing all the thinking that i used to do yeah. But that was, that is one side of the coin. But the other side of the coin was like, well, actually I'm not getting lazy, lazy, lazier. I'm actually improving my knowledge because ChatGPT teaches me new stuff that I didn't know, which I can learn from, you know, expanding, expanding my per- perspectives. I can learn from it. And then next time I will already have that in my own knowledge database. And therefore I can give even better prompts to JetGPT, which creates like a virtuous circle. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I think, I think it's so interesting as
0: the nature of the problem changes the way our brain matter evolves changes too. That that, that was way too highfalutin'. Um, there's, there's a great book written, uh, um, years, years ago. I think it's called, um, how to think like Sherlock. And Mm -hmm. in it, uh, there, the, the author talks about this one study that was done for people who wrote everything down basically in, in, in a note system they had sort of a David Allen King things done system, versus people that um, had a better self-reported memory who had to, like memorized the information and and they found that people who had a good note-taking habit they they were quicker to forget information, but they were very quick to remember where that information was at. In other words they were remembering something they were remembering something they were using their faculties but they were flabby in other in other areas but if we remember the the great quote from albert einstein of like don't feel feel your you know he doesn't remember he didn't remember the speed of light and people asked him like oh what is it um they'd be shocked you know sometimes he would would forget things like that and like i can just look that up it's a concept that that really matter and so Mm. i think there is a really hard question we have to ask ourselves um but it applies as much to calculators as it does large language models is the hard part of this task for outsourcing the machine the part of our brain that we want to be flabby because it allows us to optimize for one of the parts that are are uniquely our strong suits or are we living are we outsourcing the wrong things and maybe maybe we need to um you know change how we interact with with, with the technology and I do think that we always need to optimize for where we're at in time and space. Uh, so, mm. you know, this AI is as bad as it's ever going to be. It's only going to get better from here. And, and there's something to be said for, you know, hooking your, your ride on, on the right horse here. But with that being said, I do think that our ability to focus, our ability to, to keep our attention on one problem for a very long period of time, that skill is only going to become rarer and rarer. And is something that we should double down on and we should um be focusing on. And, and I think that sometimes outsourcing uh you know, hey, write this email for me, you know, chat to BT. I think we are sometimes robbing ourselves of reps in that mental gym. Mm. And that's a skill worth worth keeping. So that's that's my nuance take
1: on. Yeah, I know it's an interesting uh perspective. Because this is exactly where I am in my AI jo- my journey with AI today. You know, it's this and I think, I think I, I completely agree with you. I have to be, I have to be careful not to give it too much so that I keep, I keep that mental fitness, uh, which yeah. is uh, really, impo- which is really important. I'm not asking A- AI to write emails, for instance, but mm. I will ask ChatGPT to make, to improve the language. Yeah. Uh, you know, because it, it's very good at that. <laughs> and I suck at yeah. it because <laughs> I'm French. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very good. It's very good at, at, at that. And it still, it still keeps the, the meaning of, of, everything and then for me then it's it's I use that as a learning like I was saying like oh you know I I learn new words for instance and I learn new new sentence constructions uh new sentence structures which is which is uh very very interesting well thank you thank you for 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 sharing uh your perspective on AI and I want to go now to um uh, the other part of you the entrepreneur part uh why are you an entrepreneur
0: I I would definitely say I'm not a born entrepreneur uh, what I mean by that is, is if I, if I, uh, look at a lot of entrepreneurs, I really respect their nervous systems or look calibrated a little bit differently. Um, I, I'm naturally, I have a, a slightly higher neuroses and I think most, most entrepreneurs, you know, things seem to stress me out a little bit more, but I was given uh, a very lucky start to life, which was being born in an entrepreneurial family. And so I, I was uh, as a child constantly observing the, the mental tips and tricks, um, that would get you through that uncertainty and, and, and discovered stoicism, uh, early on, discovered, or, er, you know, Tony Robbins and kind of, a self-talk. So I, I feel quite, um, happy with, with my strengths, um, not being, I'd say a, a natural born entrepreneur, but, but finding the, the mental tips and tricks and cycles that now buffer me against, against the extreme uncertainty of being an entrepreneur. Um, mm-hmm. but I would certainly say that, that, uh, Harvard is just the luck of of the family I was born in, truly. Oh, well, but you could have said, oh, it's not for me, but
1: (laughs) you didn't. (laughs) So is that, is that a funny thing? Um, the,
0: the software company is, is founded by, by myself and the two other companies are co-founded with, with my father. Um, and they all share uh, a legal
1: overstructure. How is it to work with your father?
0: Uh, we, uh, we have a really great relationship. I think it helps a lot that we, we actually enjoy each other's company, and yeah. so um and we have a similar we have very different outlooks about a lot of things in life, but we have a similar love, I think, of language and of abstract things. So We always know exactly why we disagree and are able to, to dig into it, and that gives us the best of both worlds, because mm-hmm. um you're, you're not always in an echo chamber, but you always have the language in order to get to the, the heart of the issue. And so I think that makes mm-hmm. a really good tag team. He's a little more um uh kite and I might be a little more string but but it gives a good dynamic energy i'd say
1: nice, so you're complimentary that's good good to hear so this uh show is about bottlenecks. What are your current bottlenecks
0: i I would say that i I can definitely be a bottleneck sometimes in in the business uh right now, this particular i'd say last couple of months mm. i I'm working on empowering my my marketing team to be publishing more comment particularly with my face and with my uh my brand into places but not needing me as much and that's been a bit of a of a unique challenge because of course it's it's my brand and i'm, I'm structured in a way to inherently you know care that the things put from my mouth are are, are things that i uh have said etc but simultaneously wanting to empower the team To move forward on the vision, the mission, everything without me. That's definitely been, been a bit of a challenge. How, how is that a challenge? I think it's, it's maybe the assumption that I need to review everything and that they can make limited decisions without me, you know, because if, uh, they can only publish what, what I say. Um, and so striking that balance where I can be producing the content and they can be taking and running with it and even, uh, overproducing content so they can pick and choose and then kind of set the vision for themselves so that they can be making a lot of creative decisions. Um, it's, it's interesting.
1: And why have you decided to work on that particular bottleneck now?
0: Um, I, I think it's, it's because I, I don't want to let them down. Uh, if they give me like, uh, just this week had about um twelve pieces of content, about three of them quite quite large, worked um, work on for months. Um and you know, went through all of it, you know, give opinions, kind of how to educate them about some some nuances with AI and business and such is uh I'd say it's it's particularly present right now because the quantity of content is uh is going up. Which, you know, like and subscribe um after you watch this episode and watch it a second time and comment on on uh, the bottleneck coach you
1: can check it out our YouTube <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> and, and this is this is very interesting to go through uh you know your, your bottleneck because that's a lot a lot of entrepreneurs go to similar similar bottlenecks similar phases but what would happen if you if you're not successful like if you can't empower your team correctly but the way you want to what would happen you think
0: well i think that there's a more abstract question across different departments that you're asking i i, I would have a different answer for just the marketing department But, you know, fundamentally, you're at the end of, of life, having only worked with the horsepower of one smart brain and not the the horsepower of multiple would look back on life with the regret of like, damn, I could have done so much more. But it was just, it was just me, uh, chewing along with me. That's, that's a fundamental on the, on the highest level. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And what about the other departments?
0: The, well, that, that was my answer across, across all departments. It wasn't so much the failure of, of, of the, the content site.
1: Okay. So if I, where to, uh, put my coaching hat? I would, I would say you're trying to build an organization that goes beyond you right now. Absolutely. How long, how long did it take you to realize that?
0: Well, this, this company is about six years old. Yeah. The collection of companies, I uh, clearly the, the other, you companies know, companies that we, we founded, um, uh, more directly with, with my father, um, overall is about 11 years old at this point. Um, and the fact that I came in to the organization, you know, from the position that I did and we, were expand and, um, expand the teams. I, I'd say, you know, felt very much from day one, to be honest. Like, like, I don't mm. think that losing the perspective, I don't think I've ever had a, a, a solopreneur type of view. It's been, uh, always kind of a, a vision of the, of the overall creator vision and, and then the larger team.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. This, this bottleneck, uh, it's, it ties around like you're talking about empowering, empowering your team. It, it comes down to letting go and delegate, delegating. And this is the, Biggest bottleneck of all the entrepreneurs I've talked, I've talked to. That's, that's really, that's really interesting. And, and it, it's, it's really, it's really important because you're going through these uh, stages of entrepreneurship where the company is small. You do, you know, so many things, but as the company grows and if you want the company to continue growing, you really have to, you really have to empower people in terms of tasks, but also in terms, in terms of decision, decision making process. Otherwise, otherwise you're gonna, you're gonna hit a selling and you won't be able, you won't be able to go anywhere from there. You, you're gonna, you're gonna be stuck. That's, uh, sorry. I was putting my coaching hat there.
0: That's, <laughs> uh, quite, quite relevant. And I think that, um, it, it can come and go in waves as you have a, a bus- position, you know, the next plateau and you're like, okay, I've already figured this out. And then, yeah. uh, you know, a few months later, you're like, wait, actually, I'm doing the exact same things. It's just at a big dip, at a
1: greater planning level. and... Yeah, no, the the reason. No, but that's the thing. Is that yes, <laughs> it's, it's what's gonna happen. But every time, it's gonna be at a at a higher level, like you said. I, I had a, a guest recently who said that if you don't become the bottleneck, then something is wrong.
0: I think down one entrepreneurial path, that that there is some intrinsic truth to that. But I would I would say that's depending on the game you're playing, and that game you're playing is is a mental game more than anything else. Absolutely. And so it depends on the framework and the, and the, the path and the vision you have. But I think there's definitely a lot of people who live the type of
1: life where that has to be true. I I think there's some wisdom in that. All right. So take your, all your experience as an AI expert, but also an entrepreneur. And if you had to summarize it into one practical recommendation for other entrepreneurs, startup funders, aspiring entrepreneurs, what would that be?
0: If, so this is kind of a, a write it on my tombstone sort of a thing. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Be <laughs> credible. If there was a single piece of advice, it certainly would be, I think tied to my favorite quote of all time by Annie Dillard, uh, which is how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. And, you know, life isn't something that happens later. It's something that's happening right now. And the similar thing of our character, our personality, our, our, our legacy. It's, it's not something that we become later. It's something you're practicing Right now in this moment. And so if you're listening to this, this episode and, and you're, 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 you focusing on this or you're, you're enjoying this moment or you're, you're in pain or, or whatever's going on in your life, that, that is your life. And so being that which, um, engages with it, which finds a good in it, which can, can find the gratitude, which can, can find a part of you can control, which can help make other people's lives better. You know, that is something you can do in this moment. There's, there's never a better time to start than, than right now. So yeah, I'd say how we spend our days is how we spend
1: our lives. I, I hear the stoicist in you, I think. It reminds me of uh, a quote that I really love. Uh, everybody has two lives. The second life starts when you realize that you only have one.
0: <laughs> I heard that. I heard that. Do you know who said that? I, th- I have no idea. <laughs> I asked mean, Chad GPT, I asked Chad exact like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the brilliant. Yeah. That's brilliant. Garrick, thank you very much, uh, for your time. Just one last question. How can people contact you?
0: Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So I'd say that if you, uh, want to reach out to us to, uh, build out a AI product or build something that's maybe, you know, you can't do with just low code, no code. Um, once you go down a little bit further down your path, you can, uh, reach out to us on Valhalla.team. So that's our website, Valhalla.team. Now we can, we can, uh, work with you to build a AI based software, software product. Uh, but if you're just looking for how can you add AI directly into your, uh, business, maybe not as a tech product, but just to add in automations and efficiencies, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn at, at Garrick Tate. And I'm sure the links will be in the show notes or something. Yes. Everything will be
1: there. Again, thank you very much, Garrick. Thank you. This has been a, a lot of fun. Thank you. And thank you for listening. If you found this episode useful, then you're going to love this. I've put together a free online assessment that I call the bottleneck index, which actually Garrick took. You answer a series of key questions around your working habits and it gives you your bottleneck score, along with some practical recommendations on how to strive as an entrepreneur. Just visit my website and take it for free. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.